Hi everyone, welcome to Brain Talks. I'm Deborah Khan, founder of Being Patient. I'm excited to announce today uh, we're gonna talk about a topic a lot of us uh, wanna know more about, and that is fasting and how fasting impacts um, our health um, and especially our brain. So I'm pleased to announce today that we have um, Dr. Walter Longo with us. He is from the University of Southern California but currently in Milan, Italy, joining us today. Welcome, Dr. Longo. Thanks for having me. So you are the creator of something called the Fasting Mimicking Diet. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what exactly that is? Yes, uh, the, the Fasting Mimicking Diet uh, really is uh, the result of our decades of work looking into how we can uh, uh, improve longevity and particularly how nutrition can improve longevity and uh, historically the interventions have been uh, chronic meaning that uh, you have to do something every day and so the fasting making diet i think is one of the first attempts uh, to say uh, based on discoveries uh, what well, can you do something once every month or every three months or every six months for just five days it could that uh, change long-term the way the body is protected and the way the body regenerates and, re and maybe uh, what it looks like uh, to be rejuvenation, you know, actually becoming a little bit younger. So the, the, the entire um, theory behind fasting is what? Why is it, is it, is it really to give our bodies a chance to reset or what, what are the actual benefits? I mean, historically, um, and this I started basically, um, well, I first started doing uh, dietary restriction in mice and humans, but then I moved back to E. coli, to bacteria and yeast. And, and the remarkable thing is if you take a bacteria, and this, these were my findings in the early 90s, right? Uh, you take a bacteria or a yeast that, that, that well, we used to make bread, and you starve it, you put it in water, uh, it beca they become long-lived and they become very resistant, right? So... Uh, this is a very um, this is a very conserved uh, response, right, to the starvation condition, and probably it's very simple uh, idea, which is if you are an organism and you find yourself uh, starving all of a sudden, you have to go into a protective mode, try to survive as long as possible with as little food as possible uh, until the food comes around again, right? So that's the, I think the. The, the major uh, ideas behind uh, uh, fasting is that to break things down, uh, well, to protect yourself, but then start breaking yourself down, right? So eat you know, something called autophagy, but also something called apoptosis. The, lots of cells commit suicide and lots of cells start eating themselves, right? It's very counterintuitive, but of course, it makes sense if you're trying to survive a period where there is no external food and you're relying on, on the internal resources to stay alive. So I've had friends who have fasted and one of the comments they have is like, oh, I feel like my mind is so clear after I fast. Why is that? And what does it mean in particular to our brain health? Yes, um, we we start are starting to believe that uh, fasting is a potentially a true reset, uh, meaning that it allows first of all it forces the brain to uh, move from away from uh, uh, just using sugar as an energy source and start using byproducts of fat 
as an energy source, right? So it activates these, these genes and pathways that have probably been turned off uh, for the majority of, of someone's life. Is and, that ketosis you're talking about? If we start to use energy from our fat, isn't that the, the process of ketosis? Yeah, yeah. So ketogenesis is, uh, uh, is activated and the brain starts relying about 50-50 on ketone bodies and, and, and glucose. And, um, and so in that process, though, uh, we suspect, as we see everywhere else in the body, is that uh, autophagy, so the, the process of, of uh, clearing up junk within the cells is activated and possibly also clearing bad cells. And, uh, and then really lots of the benefits occur when you go back to the normal food, right? Then really occur. So fasting itself, it could be viewed as a good and bad thing, right? So in, in some sense, uh, it gets rid of junk, but it gets rid of also of a lot of components, right? And the refeeding then has the job of rebuilding. Yeah, you put it back together now uh, in a way that is uh, uh, better functional, more functional and, and working better than uh, than the original uh, than the original cell. So now, what you've created something called the fasting mimicking diet, and you told us earlier that you um, uh, every few months, like maybe three times a year, it's a, a good thing to do for maybe five days. Um, Tell us a little bit about what your research has indicated because um, the reason why we wanted to come to you is because you have a lot of data points from your research behind um, what fast um, inside our body. So just give us an indication as to, first of all, why is it called the mimicking diet? Um, I, I assume because we're not starving ourselves completely. We're allowed a little bit of liquid or food. Um, and secondly, um, what you saw in your research as to what the effects were with that time period. Yeah, so it's a fasting mimicking diet because water-only fasting uh, is good and bad. And uh, water-only fasting um, can cause uh, hypoglycemia, uh, can cause low, low blood uh, glucose levels, low, low blood pressure. Um, lots of people, um, are, there are concerns about them passing out, etc. So the fasting mimicking diet is, is basically... Um, using our what we call nutri technology, or understanding, for example, the connection between proteins and amino acids and TOR, a gene that responds to high levels of amino acids, or the connection between sugar and protein kinase A, PKA. So we basically uh, first understood the molecular biology and then say, well, what if we um, uh, trick the system into thinking or responding as if it was just receiving water? So we can now provide maybe about 50% of the normal level of calories, uh, but the system really detects it as a water-only fasting. So everything changes according to a water-only fast. So in, in, in some ways, we remove uh, all or the majority of the issues. We also remove lots of the burden of having to do water-only fasting, which is extremely difficult for people. And then, um, but then we keep maintaining the, the effects. So um, we have um, questions from our viewers um, about um, applying this to um, dementia patients. Um, a lot of the questions ask if we, in fact, um, can um, apply, um, is it will, if someone ha already has a diagnosis of Alzheimer's or a type of dementia, 
Um, will this help them? Well, the answer uh, we don't know. So we we have done it in mice, and in mice, uh, uh, clearly uh, we've done multiple fasting-making diets, and and uh, um, it helps against cognitive decline. So the mice uh, can remember better, uh, are much more. Uh, they can learn better. It can remember better. Um, now we've done uh, uh, soon enough. We're going to be publishing some data on humans that don't have dementia. And now in a month or so, we'll start a clinical trial, randomized clinical trial in Italy uh, at one of the largest hospitals called San Martino Hospital in Genova, Italy. And that's going to be on, on Alzheimer, uh, early Alzheimer and mild cognitive impairment. And so we'll see. I mean, obviously, uh, we are, um, you know, we're uh, hopeful. And uh, I think the 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 great uh, advantage of the fasting mimicking diet compared to the drug type of intervention for Alzheimer is that it, it just revolutionizes the metabolism of the brain, right? And, and, uh, and so we're basically saying, well, lots of the targeted approaches have now worked for Alzheimer. Maybe there is something, something that is much more wide acting, uh, much more, um, programmed and much more evolved as a process, right, has a better chance. It doesn't mean it's going to work, but certainly it has a better chance of achieving this uh, reset of the brain, uh, which we were already seen uh, somewhat in mice. So um, when you study the mice, um, did the fasting actually help the process, the microglia, which are known as the janitors of our, our brains, clear out uh, some of the plaques or something that's already, the, the toxins that already exist? Or um, when you say reset in the brain, what exactly did the research show uh, in terms of uh, the positive impact in mice? Um, the original study was done with a, a high calorie. Uh, now we're doing the one with the, uh, with the different uh, fasting-making diet. But the original one, showed uh, it was a normal calorie diet, right? And it showed that uh, beta amyloid, the plaques were not affected, but tau phosphorylation uh, was affected, meaning that um, the, it seems like the, the previous uh, diet that we used was interfering, it was uh, blocking the negative effects of the plaques on the, on the neurons. Uh, now, uh, we're doing multiple um, mouse models for, for Alzheimer uh, using the fasting-making diet. We're using more the, uh, a version that is closer to the, uh, to the human version, and we'll see. And, of course, you know, we're, we're starting the, the human trial, so um, I think, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, mouse is a mouse, and now uh, I think uh, within a year we're going to start having some of the preliminary data on people, and uh, that's really going to be the... The challenge. So, with that uh, human um, trial, how many um, how many people will you have, um, and how long will it last before you actually know uh, that you know there is an impact? I think I don't remember the exact number. I think it was 80, 40, and 40. 40 are going to be control on a control a placebo diet, and 40 are going to be on the uh, fasting making diet. Uh, I think within a year of of, uh, of enrolling the last uh, uh, person, um, you know, they have to do three cycles. 
so that's that's a process lasting about six months. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, uh, yeah, so we uh, probably about a year and a half from now, we should have the the um, uh, the initial data. Now, people, um, we've always said the same thing, which is the following. First of all, the fasting making diet are low calorie diets, and we're not really recommending them for people that are older than uh, seventy or so, uh, which cuts out. I'm sorry, older than, did you say seventy? Yeah. You bleeped out for a sec. Yeah. Seventy. Uh, older than seventy. Yes. And, and so, um, but now we're developing fasting making diets that are for Alzheimer's that are higher calorie. Um, and so um, that we believe that, I mean, that are suitable for the, for the clinical trial and then hopefully also suitable for the, for the people out there. And, um, but we always said, you know, if, if, if you reach the point that, you know, you can't wait uh, and you wanna consider this, um, you should talk to the neurologist and of course, lots of neurologists are going to say, no, you're going to have to wait until the end of the clinical trials, uh, which is fair. But again, lots of people can now wait. And so the question is, the neurologist and, uh, and a dietitian can make the decision that, you know, this patient uh, should could try this uh, because the patient is running out of option. Uh, it's a difficult decision, but we've, we've seen it made uh, in many, many occasions with cancer patients, with uh, a diabetes patient with multiple sclerosis patient. So I think it's uh, it's also uh, reasonable uh, to consider it, if nothing else, for Alzheimer or for cognitive uh, problems. Uh, again, should be done like a clinical trial. So the, the doctor and the, and the dietitian should handle it uh, as if it was a clinical trial. Okay, and we have a question um, coming in right now from one of our viewers saying, how can people implement this diet in their day-to-day life? What does it look like? Well, the day-to-day um, is not, there is no day-to-day, meaning that this is, uh, um, you know, there's a company uh, that sells a, a kit. Uh, um, I don't have any financial gain from it. Um, but um, but I did uh, uh, I'm a, a fa- the founder of the company and I, I did it uh, and the product is called Prolon um, and I did it to get the, the product out there to people um, although all the uh, all the income is going to go to charity um, and so uh, people can get Prolon and the Prolon is a is a box um, and it contains all the food that someone will consume for five days. And that's it. You know, they have to um, they have to go through a questionnaire, which either sends them to a dietitian or to a doctor. Um, and um, if they don't want to go to an, an additional dietitian, then they just do it. Uh, I think there's a phone call with a dietitian that works for the company. Uh, it tells them, you know, what to watch for. Um, that, that's it. They get the box at home. They 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 stop everything else. They're eating. They just drink water uh, plus what's in the box for five days. And this can be done, uh, you know, between uh, once uh, uh, a month to once every six months. Uh, so if somebody's very healthy, uh, they probably only need to do it uh, once every six months. Okay. Um, so another question: um, Do you? Um, well, I guess uh, one of our viewers is asking: Do you have any data published on the effects of the fasting mimicking diet with? in 
age groups. So in their 50s, 60s, and well, you've already addressed the 70 plus. Um, but is it necessary to really look at people in respect to their different age group and fasting? I mean, you said you wouldn't recommend it for 70 or over, but how about everyone under that? Is it is there a different um, pattern people should abide by if they are younger versus older? Well, every person is different, right? Meaning so somebody could have diabetes, type 1, type 2. Uh, so everybody should be handled differently. But in general, in the clinical trial, we had from 20 to 70, 100 subjects. We did not see any problem uh, for, uh, for any of them. And then um, um, about 70,000 people have now done the prolonged uh, uh, fasting mimicking diet. Uh, and now we're uh, we're collecting surveys and about 2,000 people from about 100 doctors, 100, 150 doctors. So um, thus far, we um, we haven't really seen problems uh, uh, either reported by patients or reported by doctors on these uh, you know 60, 70,000 people. Uh, so it, it, it's a, it looks like a pretty good uh, safety record. And um, and uh, it doesn't uh, seem to be a problem in the 20 to 70 range. Now, after 70, yes, uh, uh, we publish on protein intake uh, too low being problematic, and uh, we also suspect that you know if you're 85 and you 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 do too frequently, uh, I mean most 85 year olds they probably did a fasting vegan diet once in a while they'd be fine, but uh, I think there should be a geriatrician involved, and that geriatrician will have to make the decision. Uh, yes, this person should do it, and they have to really have uh, reasons for that person to do it, and um, uh, which should be motivated by by the geriatrician. Okay, and another question has just come in saying, um, you correctly state that refeeding after a fast is critically important. What is the nature and duration of refeeding that will facilitate the brain not going right back on the path towards cognitive impairment um, that it was on before the fasting mimicking diet? So how, how do we make these long-lasting, uh, how, does, how does fasting translate into a long-lasting impact rather than just oh, I feel so much clearer now uh, in the moment. Well, I mean, you know, we, we've very clearly shown that in the mouse trials and in the mouse studies and in the clinical trials, uh, we've also done one on multiple sclerosis and we, you know, not a big number of patients, but there was, uh, I think, 48 patients. Uh, so uh, the, the effects are long lasting. Uh, in the normal subjects, we saw about 60% of the effects uh, there after nine, 90 days after the last cycle. So three months after the last cycle, you know, the majority of the facts were still there. And uh, of course, they're, they're, you know, they're gonna slowly go away and, and the worst uh, is your diet and, and your exercise and everything else. And the, probably the more quickly it's gonna go away. And so um, some of the general rules that we present are, you know, if somebody's obese, has high cholesterol, high blood pressure, uh, high fasting glucose, they probably need to do it once a month. Uh, if somebody who's a 35-year-old athlete uh, in perfect shape and has a you know pescatarian diet and and it's low protein but high nourishment, etc., they might need to do it twice a year. Um, so you know those that's that, those are the usual uh, the general guidelines that that we give. But then uh, each patient, uh, each person uh, should really uh, probably talk to either a dietitian or a doctor at least once. Uh, when they get started and um, 
make sure that there is not uh, some reasons why they shouldn't do it or they they should do it differently. Yeah, absolutely. And we do want to stress too to our viewers that, you know, um, this is we're we're looking at the science behind this, but before you partake in anything like this, it is necessary to talk to your own doctor to make sure, um, as Walter pointed out. Uh, you know, everyone is different. We all have uh, different problems, uh, different states of health. And so uh, really check with your own doctor before you decide that this is the right path for you. Um, someone else has written to us saying, what exactly, you were, you were talking about the fasting mimicking diet and a company that has made um, uh, the diet where you're you're drinking, I, I believe you drink fluids um, and there's packets in there, but they want to know what exactly is inside the box. Like what's the nutrition that you can have while fasting? Yeah, well, first of all, uh, my book uh, has all the details. Uh, it's called The Longevity Diet uh, by Random House. And um, and uh, um, also the the income from that goes to my foundation called Create Cures Foundation, so we can continue to do this type of work. Um, what's in the diet? It's uh, you know olives, uh, uh, walnuts, hazelnuts. Uh, um, it's um, uh, kale, chips. Um, it's uh, uh, soups uh, that go from tomato soup to uh, um, broccoli soup, etc. I mean. We try to make it as, uh, I mean, it's a vegan diet. It's five days of a vegan diet, but it's very special. I mean, uh, it, it, it's quite complex. It took us years and years, even after we knew what ingredients we wanted to do, uh, to put in there. Now, it took us years to get uh, the people, the companies, the, the factories to make it correctly. So uh, don't, uh, I mean, we make it look simple, but it's not as simple as, uh, uh, as it looks. Even a tomato soup is completely revolutionized. Uh, uh, to serve its purpose. Do you, um, do, uh, how often do you, I'm, I'm assuming you fast, um, how often do you fast? Uh, well, I mean, I, uh, for example, uh, when I tend to gain weight, as I described in the book, I, I uh, don't eat lunch, like today I didn't have lunch. So that's my typical, uh, uh, so I eat within 12 hours. Um, I don't have lunch uh, if I tend to gain weight. And then, uh, you know, the fasting making diet, because of I have an ideal diet and exercise regimen, uh, I do it twice a year. So is it, is it, are there benefits then um, in, have you studied um, perhaps the benefits of if we just take 12 hour fasts or, you know, maybe 15 hour fasts, um, is there, is there benefit to doing really short spurts of fasting? Yeah, I mean, um, we we I I call I always say I don't call that fasting. I call that eating, right? <laughs> so so you know, twelve hours is is great. Uh, it's what people have always done, and that's what people should do. You know, if you look at centenarians and and everybody else, uh, twelve hours is good. I mean, eat for twelve hours, fast for twelve hours. That's that's a normal eating pattern. Um, now, when you get to sixteen hours, there's clearly there are clearly benefits, right? That you're probably gonna lose weight, etc. There are also problems. Right? For example, for example, goldstone formation it goes way up uh, when for people that fast regularly uh, for 16 or more hours, um, and of course uh, the consequence is also uh, the removal of the gallbladder, and uh, that's one problem. Uh, another one is for people that skip breakfast is uh, increased overall mortality, increased cardiovascular mortality. Uh, so, um, yeah, I would not go 16 hours unless uh, 
for some reason you have to go 16 hours and um, I will stick with 12 hours and uh, and these are very very different fasting uh, regimen than, than what we're talking about it takes about two to three days for the brain to switch and for most of the body to switch into a ketogenic mode and uh, it takes probably two or three days to even begin to break down all these uh, components uh, and uh, so by day five I would say it's a minimum uh, time needed to to do a full uh, reset uh, and then the refeeding is really going to have the opportunity to rebuild all these things that have been broken down. Um, Walter on this um, series of talks we've discussed the role of ketones why not just supplement ketones um, instead of fasting like what if you take ketones as a supplement? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, uh, this is a Silicon Valley, uh, uh, you know, bad idea. And, uh, I, you know, it seems like lots of these ideas come from Silicon Valley. And, you know, this hacking, this idea of hacking everything, you know, and, uh, well, it's a problem, right? I always say, imagine that you have a hybrid car and the hybrid car is really engineered to either work on electricity or on gas, right? And all of a sudden, you find a way to tweak it and to make it work on both at the same time, right? Well, you know, unless you re-engineer the car to do that, most likely, eventually the car is gonna break down. And that's exactly what, what uh, uh, you know, having ketone bodies in, in addition to uh, the regular food is gonna do. It's gonna push the body on one side to, to, uh, to go into a ketogenesis mode, but it's still gonna be fully uh, nourished to, to burn sugar. And um, that's why I think it's a bad idea. And uh, I, you know, in the book, I always talk about five pillars. Uh, so if you look around the world, the people that have taken ketone bodies as a supplement, it never happened, right? Uh, and, and it never happened. And so also, if you look at around the world for people that have a high, a continuous high fat diet, uh, they don't, they're not long lived. All the people around the world that have record longevity are on a high carbohydrate diet. They're not on a high sugar diet or a high starch diet. They're on a high carbohydrate diet, right? So they seem to eat lots of vegetables and lots of healthy foods that contain carbohydrates. Um, they don't have so much fat. Some of them have very little fats, like the Okinawans. Some of them have about 30% fats, like the Greeks and the, the Southern Italians. You know, so either way, it's fine. You know, whether you have the fats or you don't. Uh, but uh, as long as they're good fats, you know, like olive oil, nuts, et cetera, salmon, those seem to be uh, perfectly fine. But, uh, but yeah, so in general, um, trying to hack your way to health, uh, you know, not, not right now and not for the next 20 years, I would say. But eventually, yes, uh, probably <laughs> we're going to be so sophisticated that we'll be, we'll be able to do it. But it's not just by, by drinking ketone bodies. Yeah, um, much more research, I, I guess, has to go in, in that area. Um, we have another uh, viewer who's asking um, if you have applied your research uh, to um, the protein diet, uh, what we are talking about, the fasting mimicking diet, um, uh, specifically to the proton um, program, have your has your research studied that, and is there a published study related to that specific diet? Uh, I'm not familiar with the proton uh, program. Oh, sorry, sorry, the prolon, your prolon, sorry. <laughs> yeah, 
Uh, well, Prolon is uh, is being studied uh, in the in the clinical trial that was published last year. And Prolon, there was a human trial with 100 uh, subjects, uh, and they showed uh, a, redu a reduction in cholesterol, blood pressure, triglycerides, uh, IGF-1, uh, fasting glucose, etc. It, it was particularly nice because it showed a differential effect, meaning that. People that had very low blood sugar, for example, it didn't drop any lower, and that's good, right? Uh, differently from, for example, chronic calorie restriction. If you do chronic calorie restriction, even if you start with low glucose, it'll drop even further, and that's not a good thing, right? So, so the, the trial really showed a prolon having showed that prolon has these differential effects, and we think it's because uh, it fixes what's not working. But if it's already working and your sugar levels are normal, it doesn't have to fix anything, and so that's why you don't really see uh, you don't really see uh, a change. Okay, well, thank you so much, um, Dr. Longo, for for this really informative um, interview. Uh, we really look forward to um, your published study once you um, test um, the fasting mimicking diet on um, people who have a mild cognitive impairment or early stage Alzheimer's disease. Uh, to find out if there is indeed an impact, if it helps um, people who have already had a diagnosis. So please do keep us posted um, with that human study. We'd love to learn more once, once you have the results. Yeah, sounds good, and uh, I will. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, if you have any more questions for Dr. Longo, please post them on um, this Facebook uh, post and we will be, be sure to uh, get answers that perhaps we didn't have time to address uh, during this interview. Thank you so much for joining us and we wish you all the luck um, on your future studies. Thank you. Thank you for having me.